Hey everybody, it is episode 102 now of the Running Rogue podcast. Chris and Steve coming at you with a special guest from Austin, Texas. We're excited to have Michigan now alum, recent breakout star in NCAAs, and Canadian Ben Flanagan here. Welcome, Ben, to the show. Hey, Ben, how are you? I'm doing uh, really well, thank you. Even better now that I'm here. So uh, I'm super, super stoked to be here in Austin, first time, um, and really excited to be uh, on this podcast in particular. So thanks so much for having me, and for the listeners, uh, thanks for listening. It's exciting for us. We recently had an exchange on our podcast training group message board. We've got some Canadians in that group, and they were following the Canadian Cross Country Championships. And they said, hey, you need to get Ben Flanagan on the show. Turns out we already had you scheduled to be here live and in person. Thanks to Reebok, your sponsor now, and the running event being in town, which is the the basically running specialty trade show that comes to Austin annually. So we're fortunate that all the timing worked out, but you've already got fans out there, not just the Canadian ones, but we've also talked about your recent Falmouth win. Obviously, we talked about the viral NCAA championship win where you asked about your mom. We'll get to all of those details in a second, but we wanted to start in lieu of talking about current events where we usually start these episodes. We wanted to start just by being a fan a little bit with you. And to talk about this first, I want to talk about Canadian running, Canadian professional running. We recently covered in our intro topics, the Toronto marathon, Cam Levins had a, a big breakout result for him there, getting the Canadian record in the marathon that had stood for a very, very long time. So you've got him doing big things. You've got Mohamed training with the Bowerman Track Club, who's doing big things. Nate Brandon recently retired, but you know he was an, a little bit of an OG more recently in the sport. But a lot going on in Canadian running. Recently, you guys had the Canadian Cross Country Championships. We'll get to that. But what what do you think of it as a sales pitch for Canadian <laughs> athletics? We talk a lot about American runners. We also give the Canadians love when we have that opportunity. But who should we be looking out for as the up-and-coming Canadian runners other than yourself? There, uh, yeah, I mean, you, uh, you talked a lot about the, some recent performances. Um, Cam Levin's marathon was something that was really special. Um, and it's really cool because these are guys that um, you know, I really, really looked up to, um, especially um, at the, the beginning of my high school career, at the high school level, and even all through college. And to this day, you know, I still look up to these guys. But uh, Canadian distance running is in a really really special uh, spot right now. And it's really exciting to be a part of that. Um, you know, the ones that you, you mentioned, Cam Levins, Muhammad Ahmed, um, are doing one, like amazing things for the sport. And Mo just keeps setting the bar higher and higher every single year on the track. And uh, Cam just recently set the bar even higher for the marathon, you know, and, and I, I don't think it ends there. I think that Canadian record's going to get lower and lower the more times he runs it. I'm sure your new teammate, Justin Knight, will have some things to say about that as well, too. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And then Jay Knight um, has been uh, not only just, you know, an exceptional talent and really cool to follow. Um, he's a guy that I actually um, ran against very early in his career um, at the high school scene. So kind of being, being, a, being able to see his progression has been phenomenal, you know, because he got into the sport pretty late. Um and then uh, beyond that, you got Mike Tate and Rory Linkletter, uh, fellow runners in, in uh, NCAA runners um, at Southern Utah and um, BYU, who are the same age as Justin and I, are big up-and-comers. Luke Brichette, who just recently won cross-country championships. 
um, is another guy. He's, uh, he's an Olympian in Rio. So there's just, there's so many guys. And, and it's, it's cool to, you know, chase uh, some of those, those standards people are setting. Those, those expectations are getting higher and higher. And it's also, um, you know, nerve-wracking, but also exciting that every time you come in the line, there's another three or four other guys um, besides the Muhammad Ahmeds, the Cam Levins, the Justin Knights that are also, you know, right there as well. So I would say the depth is getting to a place that it hasn't been a really, really long time. Um, so the combination of just exceptional performances individually, but also the depth altogether has been really, really cool, and it keeps you honest and on your toes. What about on the women's side? I know Melissa Bishop obviously doing amazing things at the 800-meter level. Who are, so the, who are some of the other Canadian females we should be looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gabriella Stafford is another one, another uh, individual who's the same age as myself, and I've been on a couple teams with her, and 1,500-meter um, runner in particular, um, doing some really big things. Um, Jamie Fallon is my uh, high school and collegiate teammate um, at St. Mary's High School and um, the University of Michigan, respectively. Um, and I know she's training, um, you know, hard again and, and had to come overcome a few injuries, but is getting back on the scene there. Um, and then Natasha Wodok, um, uh, Lalonde, um, our fantastic Ronnie's Rachel Cliff. There's, there's so many, the list goes on. Um, but again, I think very similar scenario as we're seeing on the men's side is, is there's these really great top end performances, but also just a number of girls that interchangeably, you know, beat one another depending on the day, depending on the race. Um, and I think altogether that's just, you know, lifting the caliber higher and higher on the men's and, and women's side. Raising the bar, Lalonde just won Canadian Cross. Mm-hmm. So as you look beyond that, as a fan of the sport first, obviously you're a runner, now a professional runner. Who do you, who do you want to watch, you know? Who would you get behind a paywall to see whether they be a professional or an NCAA athlete? Who are you a fan of first as a, as a participant in the sport? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to clarify, is this Canadian scene or generally speaking? Generally, world. beyond. Yeah, yeah, world scene. It might, might be Canadian runner, but you know, who are you going to pay the whatever, flow track paywall fee or the <laughs> NBC sports? Like, you know, who, who would you pay to see your go out of your way to watch them race? Yeah, I uh, so I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I'm I'm a big I'm a big running nerd. I I love watching everything. Um, you know, there's definitely some specific individuals that you know I want to make sure I got a live stream going where they're when they're touching the line. But um, I love just seeing competitions. Um, anything really. Um, some notable names. You know, Edward Cheserick is a guy who just dominated the NCAA scene while I was there. Um, and uh, anytime that guy steps on the line, he's ready to go. Um. And he doesn't step on the line super, super often nowadays. So he's a guy that um, when he's out there, it's pretty exciting to see what he's going to do. Man without a country just won Manchester Road Race on Thanksgiving. We just talked about him. King Chez on our last episode. Mm-hmm. He's also earned the right not to run some races. <laughs> yeah, He got a little over-raced in his career, yeah. as uh, was a big issue with that, with him at, at, at uh, Oregon. But Yeah, I mean, 349 miler indoors last year, like, he just puts on... So let's talk about King Chess because we've, we've been talking about him. He's sort of a man without a country right now, sponsored by Skechers. Yeah. But sort of in limbo, is he going to train? Is he going to be able to race for the U.S. in Tokyo? Is he going to race for Kenya? We don't know. Is he going to get a citizenship? We know he's on that path. But what was he like as somebody down the line from you in a race? I mean, what... 
What was it like lining <laughs> yeah. up with Your that guy? Face, I mean, by the way, I mean, Ben's it, face was just jaw drop. Like, right it was there. like the look of fear. <laughs> you didn't get to see the jaw drop. <laughs> the look of fear, but he is a stone cold, <laughs> stone cold killer on the track, right? So, what was yeah. that like? So, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty interesting. And I know we're gonna talk a little bit more in detail about my career, but um, I honestly feel like I never raced him. Um, I've been in races with Cheserek, but I, ne- it's hard for me to really admit that I've ever raced him because that's just never been the case because he was so far ahead of you yes he was so far ahead of me um you know it was a point in my career where you know I wasn't I wasn't doing anything crazy on the national scene and he was doing nothing but crazy things on the national scene so (laughs) our careers lining up together um you know we we just were not on the same level so he was a guy that was you know, you finish the race and you ask your coach, you know, you're like, oh, I, I know Cheserick dropped me in the first mile. Like, what'd he do? What did, what did he finish in? And then, uh, yeah, you know, and, and even going further and further, he wins multiple 10K titles. And I, I end up winning one, you know, when, when he's done and graduated. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to, to now at the level that I am now, I'm, I'm a lot more, um, you know, comfortable admitting that, like, it'll be really cool to be in a race with him where I feel like, you know, I can actually, you know, be in a race with him. Respond yeah, to a respond, move. Yeah, respond, you know, and like actually race Edward Cheswick as opposed to be a participant. Um, and that's something I'm looking forward to down yeah. the road. It's a daunting task, I know, but yes. exciting, yeah, right? Even yeah. Shalimo didn't respond <laughs> last week, right. so. so I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying like, <laughs> Just, oh, I'm going to beat this guy and, you know, I'm ready to go toe-to-toe, but uh, he sets the bar, he sets the bar high, so yeah. talk about that again, but... Uh, and I've only heard amazing things about him yeah, as just in general as a person, which is pretty cool because, yeah. um, you know, a guy that dominates the scene that much, um, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about him, but I've got a lot of people who I know well who say that, you know, he's been such a pleasure to be around uh, post-race and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so Cesarek, who else would you... Paul Chalimo is also another one who's really exciting to race on the American distance scene. Um, I love watching Muhammad Ahmed run. Um, I think he is just so inspiring. Um, the way he the way he races. Um, he he just shows up big. Um, all the time. Um, hmm. What about on the women's side? On the women's side, let me think for a second. Who I wanna I wanna list here. Um, Aaron Finn is another uh, collegiate teammate mm-hmm. of mine who's yep. you know really really exciting to watch because she always puts on. Um, really well. I think uh, Danny Jones, who just recently won a uh, NCAA cross country title, University of Colorado. Yeah, and I'm definitely naming a lot of people, you know, around yeah. around my age. But um, um, do you watch marathons? I do. Can, you, can you relate? Like watching New York? Would you sit there and watch New York? I would. I I didn't, but I definitely <laughs> <laughs> I didn't this time. But uh, you know, normally it's just I, I conflicts with class most of the time, or, right. or like uh, I mean, I it's probably on the weekend, so. Um, or it conflicts with long run, but I would yep. definitely watch a marathon. I would probably put it in the background and, you know, do well, you're more a 10 K guy. So the marathon is likely in your future at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were a 10 K guy from your first your I mean, you, your fresh first year, your redshirt freshman year, you ran 10 K on the track. Uh, yeah, Correct? I think, uh, redshirt, or was it your sophomore so, year? I think redshirt sophomore okay, year. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember that I remember so specifically cause I came off the track my debut um, it was at Mount Sac. I ran twenty nine thirteen. It was mm-hmm. my first one, and and you know I was excited. Pe- like I was expecting people to be pretty excited. And all my teammates were like, "Dude, 
you just screwed yourself big time. <laughs> You're going to be a 10K guy for the rest of your <laughs> yeah, career now. So true. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. So true. <laughs> it worked out. I made okay. the same mistake. Yeah. I made the same mistake in my career. I as was well. like, oh man, I was feeling pretty good with two laps to go. I guess I could hit the brakes, you know, maybe got another <laughs> year of some miles in 5Ks. Uh, I went down to the steeple because I was trying to avoid the 10. Yeah, I went oh, to the steeple for a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't have that five foot six, you know, I don't have that privilege <laughs> of <laughs> dabbling with the steeple. Hard too to get well. over the hurdles. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, did, I got away with it now in high school but in uh in the college scene i don't know i don't know about that the 10k is like drawing the short straw yeah no <laughs> kidding but you know I, in all honesty i i love the event now i grew i've grown it like i have a huge appreciation i think i think i'm still learning a lot about it and i think there's a lot of potential to grow but uh yeah, I am a 10K guy. So I don't know if you want to talk about the marathon stuff now or later, but well, it's a conversation we can have. Yeah. yeah, we will. We'll get to that about you personally. But if, if I mention the name Elliot Kipchoge, would, what does that mean to you? Do you follow him? Are you a fan in any way of his? Or is that just too far beyond what you're thinking about right now? It's, um, I would say somewhere in the middle. Like I think, I think you caught me at the right spot now where um transition like when you're a student athlete you know like the ncaa is 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 everything right and, yeah. and i love watching the ncaa but um now being removed from it is kind of opening my eyes to like the world beyond it right the elliot kachogis of the world and um the marathon you know what it takes to run an exceptional marathon and and the professional scene all together so i would say just in the recent months i've i've really really become a lot more interested in professional running altogether because um, the NCAA was just so relevant to me. So it's what I dedicated most of my time to. So I think I'm in the middle of transitioning, not necessarily away, but, um, you know, really starting to focus on races outside of the NCAA world. Um, and Elliot Kachogi is just, um, his performances are something that I, I are, are truly unfathomable to me right now. Like, I don't <laughs> right. understand I don't, wait, when, you, when you think about the pace that he runs per mile for 26.2, it's like, Running that for 10K is a solid race, right? right? And he's doing it 20 more miles beyond that. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even fathom. Like, I, I, I try to break it down, and it's not even just, like, the moment itself. Like, the race, obviously, it happened. He did it. But it's, like, leading up to that, like, what, what, what kind of stuff was that guy doing? Like, what can he possibly – what does his training look like to set him up for a performance like that? Like, I, I couldn't imagine – trying to hop in a workout with that guy or even him trying to find Actually, a workout partner. It's not you'd be, magical. You'd it's be 20, really surprised. It's 20 years of doing the same work. Yeah, you'd yeah. be really surprised when you look at his workouts. You, we only get glimpses of his late. We've seen now two different cycles last six weeks. We've gotten some, some snapshots of workouts that he did over the last six weeks of his prep. And it wouldn't be incredibly impressive to you. Interesting. No, but that is because he's... You're, there's a lot of there's a lot of hiding in there, which he does long 20, 24-mile runs, which are done at 9,000 feet or 8,000 feet of altitude, mm. and they're done at paces that are 5 minutes to 5.10. And you're like, wow, that doesn't sound crazy, crazy. Yeah. Um, but his track stuff is really manageable. He does a workout we do where he does Ks um, or 1,200s or miles, and they're done at his marathon pace, basically, which is you know 4.35 to 4.45. And uh, people look at that, and they say, wow, like Kipchoge doesn't really train that hard. It's like, well... It, it's deceptive the number of years of work that he's done, but the sessions themselves are not out of this world. It's just the cumulative load of yeah. things that he does that that absolutely is twenty plus years crazy. working yeah. with the same coach. Yeah. Yes, and that's in the same system. Yeah, basically cranking out one hundred and fifteen to two hundred twenty mile weeks. Yeah, that's a, he's in it for year the long after run. year, right? Yeah, and plus, a, plus at this point he's an expert in the marathon. Yeah, and it's not often that you get an athlete that's willing to 
become an expert in the marathon. There's people that kind of go back and forth sometimes, but he's he's the sensei of the marathon. Yeah. And you for, may not, I don't know if you know this because you're a little younger, but I mean, he did get second at the world champs right. or Olympics. He, he won. Be, he yeah. won the world champs. He won the world the champs. He got second at the Olympics. The 5K. Yeah. At the 5K. So he, you know, he definitely had chops. When yeah. he was 18, you know, yeah. so anyway, he has the history, but it's just basically consistent work for a long period of time, yeah. right? Absolutely. And I think uh, the only thing I, that, that really resonates with me just by watching him him run is I imagine those workouts that you're saying that may not seem super impressive. Like, I bet he's just in, like he's just totally in control, right? And, right. and that and that's noticeable in his marathon is it's not a grind for him. Right. It's just like running four thirty five feels good, and that's something that yeah. Um, in my training, I it was a big learning experience being like, oh, you can do a workout and feel in control the whole time, and, right. and that's when the races you know reflect training like really really yes. well. Yes, that is the magic of training. Mm-hmm. There's a mythology that you have to bang your head against the wall every workout in order to get benefit and gains but really it's more about what you're talking about that relaxed speed that controlled speed that that's where you find the magic because for us 10k to the marathon it's about efficiency really yeah it's not about killing yourself right and so if you can learn to be efficient in the workouts then you can learn to be efficient in the race and that translate one question before we switch to talking about you sure more specifically but now that you've made the transition to the pro ranks and Theoretically, you'll be lining up against guys like Mohamed, who you've looked up to as a Canadian that you know, I'm sure you'd like to follow in his footsteps. He's more of a 5K guy right now, but I'm sure at some point we'll move up a little bit too and go back and forth. Yeah. But theoretically, you could be lining up with somebody like that that you've looked up to. Cam will probably come back down 5 and 10 too. So what, is that, what does that feel like? Is that weird? Is that like, do, do you feel like an imposter in the, con- <laughs> in the context of that? Or is it sort of like game on? Let's bring it. I'm, I'm excited to go line up with those people I've been, I've been fans of, a yeah, fan of. Probably both. Um, and, you know, in, in general, like, you know, the level that, that you know, I was racing at this, this summer like that's all new to me, right? So there's there's a lot of I've had a lot of those moments where it's like, wow, this like last mile of a race uh, in Falmouth, for example, or even NCAA's. It's like I'm not used to running with these guys, but like I can do it, right? And and I think the Canadian scene, you know, I, it's it's not really an option. Like if I I want to be as good as those guys, and then I have to approach it with like it's game on. I can I can see myself running with those guys for the first time in my career. Um, and I'm really excited about that. So I actually got the chance of ra- to race Muhammad Ahmed uh, this past summer at the Canadian Outdoor 5K Championships. Okay. And, um, you know, that was a moment where it's just like, you know, I, I, I went into it, like, knowing what to expect in the caliber he was at. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, I, I, I want to compete with him. I don't think we're there yet, right, where it's like, yeah, you know, I can, I'm going to beat this guy today. But it's like, I feel like I can run with him. And uh, it was a different, very, very tactical racing. Last lap, he, you know, he closed in 54 point. But um, it was cool, right? It was cool to, to, to be with him with 200 meters to go, right? That's something I never had. So I think it's, it's definitely trusting the process on the way there. So it's like that was a good incremental step towards, you know, eventually competing with them. And, you know, one day, hopefully, you know, I can feel like I'm ready to, to, to challenge those guys and, and compete with them on any given day. Um, but I, I think uh, it's just kind of accepting where we're in the process right now. And we're closer than we've ever been before. And now it's just getting closer and closer from this point on. Yeah. So let's, let's dig into that kind of mindset because 
you had an amazing summer, obviously. We'll kind of start with the the big breakout event, right? You won NCAAs in the 10K outdoors. As somebody who came in as an underdog, or at least somebody that people weren't talking about as a favorite to win the race, you fly by Vincent Kiprop at the end, you finish and you ask, where's my mom? <laughs> the video goes viral. And you had this big result, but the making of that result had to start somewhere with you believing that it was possible, but you, you weren't somebody that anybody at least externally was saying, Hey, Ben can win this. So that had to come from yourself, from within, from your team, your coach. Mm -hmm. So talk about that mindset going into that race. Did you think you could win and what allowed you to have that breakthrough? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a really great question. And, um, you know, there's definitely a few ways to answer it. And I think, I think a lot of my career, I was tr like going into races that I, I have always had really high expectations, really high goals. I'm a bit of a dreamer. And um, when performances fell short of those accomplishments, which let's be honest, it was a, a lot of my collegiate career. I, I had very high expectations coming out of high school. I was always like wondering how I could improve my confidence. Like I, I thought like, I was like, oh, I got to be more confident, more confident. It was something that I was trying to just kind of force. Um, whereas this summer was the first time we're like entering these races. It wasn't about just like a deliberate change in mindset. It was just like I had the evidence and it made sense to me that I could, I could compete at that level. Um, and that, that came from a variety of factors. I think training was a big part of it. Um, Coach Sullivan and I definitely, uh, you know, changed some things that, that I think uh, really uh, – boosted uh my strengths and and addressed some of my weaknesses in racing um and uh my teammates were incredibly helpful and, and inspiring and um my favorite story really about the ncaa championships is the morning of the race i i went up to kevin's with to coach sullivan um with a cup of coffee and it was probably hours before the race even went and everyone was super excited because we knew that we knew I was under the radar and we knew I was due for a big performance, but we didn't really have, um, you know, a, a, a true indication of what that meant or like what, what, what the quantitative, you know, value of that was. Um, and I kind of had to like address that elephant in the room. So I told Kevin, I was like, you know, Coach Sully, I, I feel like I can actually win this. And that was a moment where I was expecting him to just you know, be like, ah, Scoff at you. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, you know, I've won NCAAs. I know what it takes, right? Like that's, that's what I was expecting. Right. Cause it's like, cause in the same situation that everyone else is feeling, it's like, I've never won NCAAs. I'm not expected to win. Like, am I delusional for thinking that I can? So I, I had to bring it up. And you know, one of the most inspirational things of that meet and one of the most motivating factors is he said, yeah, I, I, I think you can win. Um, and that was like the moment where it was like, oh my gosh, like, it's game on, like, let's do this thing, right? And, and you know, we, we approached the race, like, very, very, like, meticulously. The, the, what we wanted to do, the strategy, was, like, very purposeful. And, and honestly, it was one of those days where, you know, everyone runner can relate to is, on both sides of it, they can relate where everything just doesn't go right and those, those amazing days where everything just comes together perfectly. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really special moment for me. And, um, that race itself boosted my confidence even further and I think was super motivating heading into the rest of the summer as well. You know, we, you, you also had, um, as we talked about a, a little bit earlier, you had an up and down career at Michigan, but you had a lot of successes at the conference level, which a lot of people don't 
really, I coached collegiately and ran collegiately, so I know that if you've won a conference championship, especially in a conference like the Big Ten, which is a really good conference, especially at the long at the distances, you know you've got something, right? And you'd won and competed high at a really high level there. You just hadn't competed quite. I think 14th was your best performance on the track, right? And 20th in cross, something around there, yeah, right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So you'd been to the big show. You'd been at the big show every year in cross, which is cru- crucial. Um, but you had a really rough indoor season your season, senior year, it seemed yes. like. So tell us a little bit about what went on that season. You had a great 20th place performance at the con- at the NCAA Championships in cross country. Mm-hmm. Were you happy with that result? Was that what you expected? Or were you disappointed with the way your cross season ended in your final year? Through the roof excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the moment I... I wanted to be 40th that day, and I was like, I think I can be 40th, because there was a lot of days I wanted to be 40th, and I wasn't close. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is the year I'm All-American, mm-hmm. 64th. I was like, okay, this is the year I'm All-American, 83rd, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, this meet is so hard. Yeah, <laughs> And like cross country is a hard meet. So I was like, this year, you know, be humble. You know, th- I'm in the best shape I've ever been in, but, like, we can be 40th, because that's what it takes. And, you know, I, with, with 800 meters to go, I was in 20th, and I was like, holy, I cannot believe I'm going to be 20th in this meet. Mm-hmm. So that was a major, major breakthrough for me. Um, I was so excited. Like, hands down, at the moment, was the best race of my life. And also the hardest. That thing hurts so bad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm an All-American now. Mm-hmm. First time, first team All-American, and that was a big deal for me. I was like, okay, I can, I can compete with with these guys and I wasn't in the lead group. I didn't come top 10 and I didn't, you know, I was like, maybe I can, that's the next step. But the guys, you know, from, from 20th to 40th, I was like, these are, this is a new group of athletes that I, you belong. I belong. You belong in that group. So So, how did you leapfrog that into the, into your senior indoor track season? Because that's a big, that's a lot of time to think about being in a next level, right? Mm -hmm. Were you thinking at that point, Oh, I want to go down to that, the the elite the elite or were you like let's just be solid get an all american in track because that's a that's a big that's also a big jump yeah right i would say the latter mm-hmm. um the goal is making the national meet something i've never done mm-hmm. um and that's a lot for a lot of my career you know it was always just like what's the next step like if we exceed expectations awesome but let's not you know let's not jump the gun so you know i didn't think i didn't i didn't finish 20th and was like okay i'm ready to take on justin knight right, right. who won the meet <laughs> it was like okay i like i think i can break 14 finally i think mm-hmm. i can maybe make the national meet. So, you know, to answer your question earlier, I, 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 you know, we start training again, take some time off. And, um, I just hurt my foot. Um, the last day of Christmas break, Christmas break was always so hard for me to stay healthy. Mm. You know, like I've, I, I didn't get through a lot of indoor seasons in my college career. And this was another one where I was like the last day I was like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to be something that heals tomorrow or a week or a month. Um, and, uh, we went on our training trip. I wasn't able to run, took two weeks off, um, got a cortisone shot and that helped, um, for the short term, which becomes relevant later. Mm -hmm. Um, got back into some workouts, ran like an incredibly surprising to this day, have not been able to figure out. I ran 1348. It was like Iowa state, right? Iowa state. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was like. I don't know how that happened. Like that, like was a total. <laughs> and mystery. you were second in that race too, right? Yeah. That's also crucial. That's a really, really competitive race. Yeah. So I was in the second heat, though. Okay. So yeah. uh, I didn't make the first heat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still super pumped about it. And I, I was the second one out of the indoor meet. Um, which you know, at the time was pretty upsetting. But then I hurt my foot again. 
the week of the Big Ten Conference meet, and I ran about three or four miles that week, hmm. then ran the, the 5K, and I think I was like sixth. Yeah. Um, and then it was back to drawing board again. You know, I was like, I got to take care of this foot. So from the indoor season, um, it was all about getting healthy. I took a lot of time, you know, starting in the pool, then on the bike, then the alter G, and then by the time I actually felt ready to run again, it was... Uh, you know, most guys have already ran like 28 minutes flat in the 10K, right? And I was like, oh gosh, like here we are. Let's let's start things off. But um, so I got a really late start to the outdoor season, which I think actually played in my favor down the road. Yeah, it meant you were fresh when it mattered. Right, exactly. <clears throat> so you had some hiccups, but you still came into that big race, the 10K, with belief that you were in a good spot. What were the building blocks of that? Was it just doing the work, putting your head down, getting the, a consistent block in before it? Part of it. What wasn't the key to that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I ran a 29.34 at Stanford. And that was like, hmm. you know, I don't know if people thought that that was like, oh, just check the regional qualifier, but it wasn't. That was like all <laughs> out. Like, that, that hurt. Like, and that's tough because that, that's, a gut, that's a gut check because guys are running really fast at that Right. Race. Like I just saw results of guys running, you know, 28 flat, yep. you know. Who you were going to compete against. Yeah. And 29.34 isn't even like in by that much. No. Like nowadays that's like, okay, you're 30th, but right. you made it, right? And there were some splits there that Sully was getting pretty worried like in the last <laughs> K. So... That was kind of a moment where I was like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, that 1348, I was kind of hoping, like, magic moment was going to happen like that again. But um, it was like, all right, you know what? Take it for what it is. We got the regional mark. That's good for right now. Um, got through a 10K with the foot feeling good. Those are all positives. Back to work. Um, and then from that point on, things just, like, really started to come together. And one of the biggest th changes we made in training is I started working out with the milers. Um, and I was never a close there in, in races. I was not a guy who wanted to come down the last 200. If there was someone on me with 2K to go, like... You were on the front pushing? I, exactly. Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to go to the front or, you know, I'm going to lose to all these guys. So we started doing workouts with the milers and all of a sudden 30 second pace wasn't that hard anymore. And then 29 second pace wasn't that hard anymore. 28, 27. Mm -hmm. um, and that really helped with everything. It made 64s feel better. It made 68s feel better. It made 10K pace feel better. Um, allows a 56 get thrown down late 50, in the race. Exactly. <laughs> you know? so, uh, so that was a big part of it. And all of a sudden things just really came together by the time big tens came around. And it was like, it was a very inspiring moment. Cause it was like, okay, like I feel like I'm back. Right. Like I won big tens my, my sophomore year. I was eight the mm -hmm. year after. And it's like, I can finally maybe win another title. And, uh, nowadays that seems like, I want to make sure I like highly emphasize like how important to that to like that was the biggest thing at the time for the year like NCAA's was like we'll get there I you know I don't see myself winning yet it was like I want to win this Big Ten title and then from that point the races are really what helped instill like those final uh, final pieces of like wow I'm I'm at a at a much different level I've ever been before so let me get this clear when you talk to your coach who's won multiple NCAA titles as in a multiple-time Olympian, yeah. that you want to win the NCAA championships in the 10,000 the day of the race. Yeah. You're basically saying that with not a whole lot of background to <laughs> give you sort of the, you really meant it when you said, like, do I really, sheepishly, do I really, is this something I should really say to him? Is this something I should really believe? Yeah. Talk about the anatomy of that belief because yeah. it sounds to me like it comes from who you are as a human being that it comes from 
your youth, that it comes from your high school days, that you say, I believe I'm a champion, I believe I can win. So give us the anatomy of that or, or sort of how that worked. And I don't really care about how you built that up, but more what that constitutes in your head as you stand there without the results behind it and are able to say, I believe I can do X, and then you go out surprise the world and deliver yeah because i think this is a really important point for our listeners to hear one of the things i think that we try to do with our podcast all the time is bring what the elite athlete does on a day-to-day basis and what happens in their world in their story that's relevant to them Mm -hmm. and so i want you to talk a little bit about that because this is no different than somebody who says they want to try to get an olympic trials qualifier or somebody who says they want to get under four hours for the first time in the marathon or somebody who wants to break 20 minutes for the first 5k yeah. Are they standing there with their coach or in their situation saying, I believe I can do something that looks on paper to be impossible, however I believe? What made you believe? What's the anatomy of that? Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough one to answer. You know, I think it's an amazing question. And I, and I agree with the point that I think it's relatable in so many different contexts than, than, than my personal experience. Um, I, it was, uh, it's hard to say. Like, honestly, you know, I've always been really competitive, um, as a lot of us are. And, um, I think there's a lot of times where I wanted something, but I, I, there was part of me that knew it just wasn't there yet. Right. It was like, oh, you know, I want to the year, let's say the year I was eighth in the big 10 and the 10 K, like I wanted to win, but I knew like, I was like, I, w- I wish I was at the point that I want to be right today. And this was the first time where I was like, okay, like the want never changed. I've always wanted to win nationals. Right. Today's the day where I'm like, I'm finally ready to do it. You so believed. I believed. And I really, like, I meant it. Like you said, like, it, it was like, this isn't something that, like, like, that's why I was even comfortable bringing it up because I didn't want someone to laugh in my <laughs> face and be like, oh, yeah, okay. Right? But I, I really, really meant it. And that didn't come from the day itself, but it was just, like, the whole process, the lead up, the build up, like, all the training. You know, to me, it made sense. Like, you know, I don't know if someone else like went through my training log. I don't keep a training log, so that won't happen either way. <laughs> but you know, say someone did, I don't know if they would have calculated it and 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 uh, said the same thing. But for what my criteria was, I checked all the boxes. You know, I was like, wow, I don't know why this feels so right, but it really does, and I I know I can do this today. Um, and yeah, I really meant it. So I don't know if that really answers your question. Well, but. so you believed. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part, even if it was beyond belief, mm-hmm. right? You didn't care because for you, you believed. Another key component is you surrounded yourself and you, you, you told this to somebody who you trusted who provided you with another affirmation yes. that you also could do that. So talk a little bit about that, about the circle of people around you who put you in a position to be as successful as you were. Right. That's, uh, that's such an important note. Um, because you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I have a fan. I've always had a really, really, you know, remarkable support system throughout my entire college career. Um, and Sully, Sully's a really unique case because he, he checks multiple boxes. Like my family, they trust, they trust, they don't know the splits. They don't know the, the race results as well. They don't know the training, what's in, what, what it shows I'm indicative of. But if they heard me say, I think I can win, they're like, oh, I, he, like, I trust him, right? Like, they're going to trust me, like, unconditionally. So that's cool, right? And I think that's, you know, in, in another way, equally as important. Um, but Sully is kind of this mesh of, like, oh, you know, he trusts me because he knows me as a person. He knows my morals. He knows, you know, we connect on a personal level. But he also won NCAAs. He's also a remarkable coach. He also has coached a national champion. So it was kind of a lineup of like, 
oh, he believes in me as a person, but he also believes in me as an athlete and like really understands the credibility of like what it takes. So um, that that's why I think the conversation with him was so special. It's like, whoa. And I had the same conversation with him when I won my first Big Ten title. Um, and it's the same story. It was like, wow, the only thing I was afraid of was someone whose opinion mattered so much to me saying that it, that it couldn't happen. And who knows if that did happen, what, what's, you know, I don't even want to think about that. I don't know. <laughs> you don't need to, because right? it's already happened. Right. So who needs to spend time there? But you believed, yeah. and then you surrounded yourself with people who believe in you as well. Absolutely. And you only spent time and only listened to the yayers and not to the nayers. Yes. I just think that's an, an important piece that if you want magic to happen, if you want these supposedly unseen, unforeseen circumstances to occur, right. hard work had to be done. Yeah. You had to believe, mm -hmm. and then you needed to be with people who also believed in you. Right. And then, guess what? Magic can fucking happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's how magic does happen. You yeah. missed a step, though, Steve. He also had a meticulous plan. That's to true. To me, that's the other layer of this. Sure. You believed, you got affirmation from your coach, and then you went to work to say, okay, how do I need to execute to put myself in position? Yeah. Because, look, at the end of the day, in a race, you don't know how everybody else is going to show up and what they're going to bring to the table. Kiprop could have run off and killed everybody like yeah. Chesarek has done in the past. You're right. Right? In which case, you would have said, hey, nice race, man. You know? Second place. Going for but, second. <laughs> yeah, but you did the planning and you said, all right, I, this is what I need to do to put myself in position to be able to kick him down in the last lap. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. What were the different factors you guys were thinking about from an execution standpoint? Yeah. And, and the only thing I want to add... Uh, last piece to that last question is I do like what you said about the um the avoiding the naysayers and sometimes you can't is the important thing is that there's going to be naysayers either way but just like trying to unpack you know why like does it really matter if this person says I can't right I think is something that's really crucial as well and because because a lot of times people take those comments so so seriously when like there may not even be a lot of substance behind it whether it's someone else's insecurities are they saying it do they really mean it who knows or they're just a mean person or they're just mean right <laughs> so i think it's like yeah like talking to people who really trust and like valuing those opinions i think is something that's was super helpful for me and you know hopefully others can relate to as well as for the race um to um how do you and sully set it up what oh, were yeah, your thoughts what, thought, was, the what plan? was your yeah. plan right 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 so the so this is the last thing that i want to talk about um because it, it blends in well with this question is talking about another like indicator that I was that I was ready and this is something that gets overlooked really really well and I think it was a huge part of why NCAAs happened the way it did but at the regional meet the east prelim um it was Kiprop and I with 200 meters to go and I tried to pass him with 200 meters to go on the outside and he held me off and he held me off all the way in the final straightaway and then he accelerated from 100 meter to go to the finish line and um, I also got beat by Kip Kowich in that race as well. But um, it was something I noticed. I was like, wow, like if I try to pass this guy too early, he's not going to let me. And it took so much energy to try to go on the outside and, and not, not get anything out of it, right? Still be in second place by the time you hit the home stretch. And then you got to try again. That's hard to do. So you had your intel. So I had my intel. And that to me, we closed in 57 point that race. Like that was honestly the race. That was the race itself where I was like, okay. Like, I'm ready to roll next in, in, in Eugene because mm -hmm. I'm doing things I've never done before. Um, so going in the race, we decided, you know, step one is make as few mistakes as possible. Um, it wasn't about doing anything special or in the race. It was about avoiding doing anything that was going to cost me later. So where that could happen was when the first lap went out in a 61, right? Like, there's a reason I was in 10th instead of 2nd, right? right? Is like, I know I'm not, I can't run 
25 flat for the 10K. <laughs> and nobody could in that <laughs> right. race, right? So, it's like, so I was like, I, I, there's, no, there's no reason for me to go with that, right? And at the time, that's what I trusted. And I was like, okay, so what, what's, what's the best way to conserve energy? Like follow someone who's going to follow that move eventually. So it was like, instead of responding, it was like respond to who's going to respond. So just never use excess energy. Um, and then the biggest thing was just being in position with a lap to go, um, being in contention. Um, it wasn't ever really about setting up a plan to win, but setting up a plan to be in position to win. Um, and you know, if you watch the race, you know, you'll see it just was responding to everything. When there's when there's three guys left in the race and someone makes a move. It's no longer responding to the responder. You got to just respond. Yep. Um, and then when it was Kiprop and I and 200 meters ago, it was deja vu. It was, you know, don't make a move until, um, until you, you can't wait any longer, essentially, um, because he's going to do everything he can to not let you pass. And I knew he was going to accelerate from 100 to go all the way to the finish. So um, a little bit of risky task. It takes waiting <laughs> that long. And it was honestly really hard to even just like stay with him from 200 to 100 to go. Um, but that yeah, was he had much, gapped you. Yeah, you had gotten away from the next group, and we'll have a we'll have a little shot of. There's a lot of video footage of your last 200 meters, which mm -hmm. is really cool to watch. He had gapped you going into the 200, and you could see you were starting to close him down. So when was the point that you said I can win this? Did it? Did was it? Yeah. 10 meters from the finish when you start to realize he's not there, or is it with 150 to go when you started seeing when you started seeing that gap close? And then he obviously didn't respond to you when you went by him. So yeah. when is it that you say, damn, and CAA <laughs> champion? <laughs> yeah. Like, when, when is it that you're, like, like feeling it, feeling it, you know? Yeah. A, a lot later than 150. 150 was honestly the moment where I was like, holy, I'm going to be second in the country. And that's amazing. Like, I've never done that before, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's, that's you know, those, those moments happen, and it's pretty hard to shut them down that late in the game. But it was like, okay, no, no, like, regroup, like, you're still in this for the win, right? So coming to 100 meters to go was like the gap wasn't wasn't incapable of making up, and and that's a lot of races I've gone into 100 meter to go, you know, where I, I gave too much real estate that it's hard mm -hmm. to it's hard to come back from. So it was just about like getting there, just getting to 100 meter to go close, and then you can just go all out, and you know that's all you can do and see what happens. So I think about 80 meters to go is when it was just like okay, like. You got to just like do everything, and as soon as I tried, and it actually happened, like yeah, you I got was... on his shoulder, and he did not fight you. Right, he didn't die, but he didn't fight you. Right, and uh, those moments are super uncertain. I think is imp they like totally hard. Yeah, like it's like when you start kicking like that, you never, like I didn't think I was running crazy fast. Like the only evidence I have is that I was like he was getting closer and not further, and I was like, oh Jesus, that's actually working, right? <laughs> and like. <laughs> Here we go. Right, and like Hayward erupted, which was super cool. Makes a, That is another aspect to it, too. I think so. Like, that was like, whoa, like, these guys, like... They're cheering I, for me. Yeah, like, obviously something's <laughs> happening. Um, and then... Uh, They're certainly cheering for you, and it's not a black-white thing. That was a, a known quantity and an unknown quantity. Yeah. And every single time, Hayward Field is going to cheer for the underdog. Exactly. Every single time. Yeah, yeah, I think it was... I think they were so excited about it being a race. They're like, wow, this thing's actually going to come down the wire, right? And in a moment where you brought up, like, there was a split second where I looked out of it, and it's like, oh, wait, like, you know, Not there's, so much. there's more. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think in general, they were just, like, entertained. Like, I think it was they were cheering for just a spectacle more than anything else. Um, 
because you know I don't know why they'd be personally invested in me. <laughs> Actually, but, you'd be surprised. That's the most intelligent and informed. Uh, they know. That, they, they know. know. That's the most intelligent and informed populace you will ever run. Even if you go to the Olympics, the Olympic the, the Olympic field will not know as much as as Hayward Field knows. Wow. Especially that back that home stretch as you come down it. For oh. sure. One well, thing I want to unpack that you said because I talk to my athletes about this concept all the time. We've got, we're taking a 215 runners to California International Marathon this weekend. Yeah. And a lot of people going for personal bests, some trying to run their first marathon. But you said I didn't need to know I could win essentially, but just to put myself in position to be there. And that's something I've said this week as I've talked to some of my runners. I said, you don't have to know that you can break four hours in the marathon. All you have to do is get to mile 21 on plan. Mm-hmm. You know, don't make mistakes like you said. Put yourself in position. And then, of course, do your homework to know how to deal with the mental demons that are going to come at the end. But you don't have to know how it's going to feel. You don't, have to, you don't have to know what you're going to do at that point. All you have to do is put yourself in position and then let the training do the work. Let the mental preparation you've done do the work. Let the magic happen, yeah. so to speak. So talk about that mindset because it's so hard not to try to basically run it in your head all the way to the finish. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, the one, uh, the one thing I like you said is, like, you don't have to know what you're going to feel like that late in the game. And the only thing I'd add is that is you, you don't. You, like, legitimately have no way of knowing what it's going to feel like. You have no information that's really going to talk. Like, until you're there, who knows, right? So it's like... You might feel great. You might feel great. (laughs) You might feel terrible. Who knows, right? Right. So I think for me, I've definitely gained appreciation for a race kind of being a constant evaluation throughout and not in like um, an incredibly uh, like, like neurotic way or anything like that or like anxious way, just like very much accepting like, you know, and trying to acknowledge where I'm at throughout the whole process. and I, I think, you know, that's, that's been a lot easier because um, the equation of, like, ex- expectation, like, versus reality is, um, is something that concerns people, I feel like. So it's like if you set these expectations for how you're supposed to feel, you know, with, with five miles to go in a marathon, and it doesn't feel like that, you kind of panic. But if you never really set those expectations, you're just like, you know what, we'll get there when we get there. I trust where I'm at right now. I feel good. We'll see what the next mile feels like. I think that can kind of alleviate that anxiety in the later stages of the race because, you know, you're just working with, with the present moment as opposed to trying to, like, constantly battle the uncertainties of, of the unknown um, in the future, right? Run the mile you're in. It's cliche, yeah. but it's true. Right. <clears throat> I also tell people, stop thinking so much about the what-if negatives. We always go to that, what if bad things happen? What if I feel bad? What if I fall apart at the end? What if I can't kick what I need to kick? All we always go to the what if negatives, but yeah. I try to train people to flip that. Whenever those come, go to the what if positives. What if I feel great? What if I pass him at the end? What if I out kick him and ask where my mom is? Right? I mean, <laughs> like, not that you would have gotten that far, but you know what I mean. It's like you think more about the what if positives than the what if negatives. That's so true. I I actually love that because I it's it's a really great practice is being like you know why are you thinking of the negatives? It's like there's really it's because you're scared probably, you know, which is totally understandable. It's a scary thought. You've trained for, you know, years, a year, how many, how much time for this event. It's, it's okay to be nervous about it, but like, it doesn't have to be negative. There's equally like equal likelihood. It could be, you could totally surprise yourself. So I think that's, that's good. Just if you're going to consider 
uncertain possibilities, consider all of them, right, across the board. The we got to talk about your mom. I read it. She's <laughs> she's interviewed by Sports Illustrated, right? Yeah. She's got an interview if you look up on SI. Because you cross the line, you're like, where's my mom? Where's my mom? She was on the other side of the track, from what I understand. She said she was cheering for you loudly as you came by. I think she may have caught her eye at least once. Yeah. Were you aware of her presence during the race? Yes. So I'm, I, yeah. This is a question I've, like, I've gotten. For how many times I've gotten, I feel like I still haven't really figured out how to answer it. Because okay. it's, which is really interesting. But, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, I knew she was there. She visited me like like that morning. I talked to them, and I told them that day of the race. I was like, I think you know, I think I'm gonna be in the mix <laughs> for the win, you know. And they were yeah. like, sweet, we're excited to watch, right? And yeah. that was kind of it. My parents have been very supportive my entire athletic career, um, through the ups and downs, and you know, very um accepting of what they they want me to enjoy it, right? So, um, they've never really cared so so much about the objective performance. It was more like if I was stoked with it, they were stoked with it, right? So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it was a moment of just, like, disbelief, honestly. Like, I just didn't, I couldn't, like, the whole race, it made sense. Like, it was like, hey, like, I'm in top eight, I'm in top seven, top six, top five, you know, I'm going to win this thing. And, like, I was dialed in and, like, accepting the moment. But, like, the moment that I, I realized, like, what had just been done and, like, the magnitude of it relative to, like, what my ambitions have been my entire career, it was just, like, like, I can't believe this just happened. And the where's my mom thing was just, like, kind of a moment of, like, like, who gets this right now, right? Like, who <laughs> right. gets, like, what this really means to me? And it's, like, you know, dad does, too. He got no love at the moment. That's all right. right. That's all right. Shout Dads out. always get love. Yeah, Shout right? out to yeah. the moms Sorry. out there. So here's, where's my dad? Here it is right now, <laughs> a few months later. But uh, that was basically it. It's just, like, like she gets like she gets what this means to me right now more than anybody else in the world so it was just like like i just wanted to share that experience with her right then and there um which you know doesn't make a lot of sense cuz she can't hear me on the jumbotron and <laughs> i can't like it didn't do anything but yeah. in the moment that's like where my brain was at how long did it take to actually see her i i did on my my victory lap i okay. went straight over to them cuz they like they were like oh like Come with us. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm going back stretch. Like, gotta go yeah. see my mom. Yeah, yeah, I gotta go see my mom. And my dad is like so, my dad is totally reckless. He's like infamous for like just doing what he ever, he wants at a track meet. Like he just jumped on Hayward's track. And I was like, dude. <laughs> totally, like, totally not the appropriate thing to do, right? Totally, right? I'm like, dad. Like, but okay, oh, your get, son just won an NCAA yeah, title. Right. And I mean, he got away with it. And the same thing <laughs> happened at Falmouth. He like crashed into like the finishing line booth and like security got like super uptight about it. I was like, dad, like we got to, like this isn't like my high school meets anymore. Like people like <laughs> legitimately care about you trespassing. You gotta like, we gotta figure out a plan now. Yeah, we love it, Mr. Flanagan. Keep doing Doing it. Keep doing it. <laughs> He's Forget the rules. Control. Break the rules. Yeah, it doesn't matter what I say. He's gonna do it either way. So the enabling will only help. So what did that do for your belief in your future as a runner? Obviously, you believed that you could do it going in, but I would imagine you probably didn't think much beyond that, and certainly you didn't know you'd be walking away with an NCAA title. So you're underneath the stands. You're reflecting afterwards somewhere quiet. Once the chaos sort of died died down. Mm-hmm. Did your mind go crazy of, shoot, if I can do this, I can do X, Y, Z? Or was it sort of like, holy shit, what now? Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, probably the latter, to be honest. Like, 
it was the first step was just enjoying the moment like you know just like i got a lot of great support and messages from family friends you name it and it was just like all right you know what like everyone that's taking the time to like acknowledge me right now i want to make sure you know i i express my gratitude and so like that was like step number one is just like accept it all um stretch i didn't stretch actually at all so i'm not gonna <laughs> pretend i did but uh in terms of like this is pretty interesting because you know considering the the summer i i had i think it's very easy to assume that that was all planned but it really wasn't you know it was like um I like plan on meeting with an agent the next day, like after that was all organized because I I, I wanted to like figure out what post collegiate options would be, um because that was the biggest thing is there's like like also like down down the road this is awesome for what's gonna do for my career but right now like I have a chance to run post collegiately and that like this opens up a lot of opportunities for me which that was that was also like a, a big part of it so yeah you um, went from l- local option to national option in one fell swoop exactly like honestly if i came second in that race i don't know if the opportunities would have been the same so like that's kind of the the, the drastic change in where i was versus you know i guess where i where i was before the race and where i was after um but uh on my conversation with i sat down with sully and and um my my agent meeting at the time and now my agent dan lilo and we kind of just talked about like what the next steps were and we honestly didn't even plan on racing. We're like, let's just run tomorrow, the next day, and see where we're at. And back to work. Back, well, yeah. And it wasn't even like hard work. It was like just go, like only run if you want to, um, anywhere from five minutes to no more than thirty. And I just kept running every day. And um, yeah, I, once I started to, ref- that's when I started to really reflect on it, right? Because it was so, it was really hectic, like still acknowledging people's messages and then there's a couple of interviews here and there and you know watching the other events like it was just crazy it all happened like there was so much happening um but uh i would say you know aside from like logistically what happened like in my head it was definitely a transition of like okay when i really think i can do something and i really believe i can do something like i can i can freaking i can do it now right and it's like like I've always had those dreams. I always wanted to win an NCAA title. I wanted to break four minutes a mile. These were things I've always wanted to do, and that hasn't changed. But it's like, like I'm not crazy. I can do these <laughs> things, right? Like these are things that are legitimately attainable. And I think proving that to myself kind of like instilled a, a trust in myself that I never had. I it was never at the magnitude that it was um, at that point. So after NCs, was Bix your next race? Did you run? Was Bix your next? I ended up Oops. running uh, the, that Canadian 5K I was telling you about. Oh, that's earlier. right. The yeah. one that you won. Uh, I was third. Oh, you were third. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so the, that was, uh, yeah. So I ended up running a Canadian 5K on the roads. Okay. It's probably the one you're referring to yeah. in September. Right. But um, so NC is what, June? Um, late June or like mid-June. I was like, okay, Canadian track and field championships. So the only, honestly, the main reason I wanted to go was just because I haven't, I was done being a student athlete. I didn't have to worry about cross country in the fall. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't run a lot of Canadian meets. Next step. Yeah. I, cause I didn't get to, it, it was hard to balance both cause mm-hmm. the, the schedules kind of conflict. So it's like, wow, I get to run in Canada again. Like, this is awesome. Um, you know, it'd be cool to go back. You know, I know a lot of Canadians follow the NCAA mm-hmm. meet. So it was mostly just to like get the chance to run in Canada again. And Justin Knight was going back. Muhammad Ahmed was on the start line. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is gonna be a sweet event. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So uh, I was third to to Mo and Justin. Justin, I oh, I had 50 meters to go. That was my first time ever beating Justin Knight at, at, in in recent time, and 
I started to go lactic, and I was like, oh, if you go lactic, you got Justin Knight on your shoulder. <laughs> like, big trouble. You're in big trouble. So he, he, he nipped me at the line. Um, and Mo, uh, Mo, was, Mo was an impressive running. He closed in 54. Point, yeah, but there's, there's another thing that must, at that point in time, reinforce. Because the guys we were talking about, the guys that you're watching, the guys that you looked up to as heroes, now you're with 100 meters to go. Well, let's say 400 meters to go. Yeah. You're with them. You know, one of them with Justin, you're you're still ahead of with 50 meters to go, and he gets yeah. you at the line. So how does that then? Then it's like, oh, this is re- this is really real. Did you yeah. know it then, or were you more along the lines of, is this a moment where you say, oh, I can go get and run with anybody in the country and anybody in the world, or do you say, oh, I'm just on this high. Maybe I should just hold on to this high for as long as I can. No, I I would say the the, the first point you made. I was like, it really that was a mo- honestly that race. I set up. A PR in the 400 in mm-hmm. the last lap. <laughs> so yeah. it's like that was another thing where I was like, I'm doing things I've never done before, and like I can close, I can close races now. Like that changed, that changed everything for me because now like I can just like relax, stay, stay comfortable in races, and like trust my closing speed is like that. That's something I want to be able to always do because it changes um, racing style a lot. Ben, you'll always be able to do it if you believe you can do it. Exactly. That's the one thing I can tell you about closing <laughs> yeah. speed is closing speed has nothing to do with the workouts you do. Although the workouts you did that Coach Sully gave you to make you believe that you could kick, doing those miler workouts were critical and crucial. Yeah. People know how to find – horses know how to find the barn yeah. if they're real horses. So yeah. you're a real horse, obviously, <laughs> and you'll, know how to find, you'll always know how to find the barn as long as you're fit enough to be able to be in it when you need to be. Right. That's so a great point. you ran at Bix, which is a, which is a really big – road race in the u.s um and it's definitely big in the road racing scene and that was like your first road race yeah first road race so you go to what is considered the what it was the u.s championship but you're not a u.s athlete but it was they have an international field and you get second there how did that race play out what did it look like and did you believe going in that you could win it or were you more along the lines of saying let's just see where i am i know you have a, a kind of a quote that says I just have to be there for the last if i can be there at the last mile then i have a chance right yeah. is that what the way you went into it yeah um, yeah, I, uh, I think that was a similar, like, I've never been on the roads before, so I, I wanted to avoid, like, pretending I knew what to expect, because I really didn't, um, but I was like, hey, you know what, I'm in great shape, and th- this, honestly, I, the Canadian champs after that, I was like, all right, you know what, things feel good right now, legs are feeling good, like, let's just keep, let's keep training, and, and let's line up for Bix, let's try it. Um, so I, that was a moment where I was like, I think I can be in the mix, same idea as NCAAs, and that was the goal, just like, be in the lead group. Don't push the pace because you're not. You're at the point now where it doesn't really make sense in terms of experience level. There's guys who've run this course many times. Like trust those guys to to you know make those decisions and respond to the responder. It was kind of the mm-hmm. the plan there as well. And uh, yeah, basically, like honestly, that was an interesting race because it just like I kind of just found myself in second with two miles to go. Like it was like like people were falling off and I just didn't you're super fit right I was mm-hmm. fit and I was like I don't awesome like I was not expecting <laughs> to be up this early and then uh you know the, the winner ran spectacular like yeah. he he dropped me by like 20 seconds or so but coming in second in that race was like a big deal for me like that was that's a seven mile race for yeah. those that don't know Bix. yeah it was super uh you know it was it was uh that was really special for me as well and and to know that like the roads were that smooth of a transition was like pretty addicting like I wanted to get my hands on another one as soon as possible and then Falmouth later got the big win. First North American athlete in 30 years to take the top spot there. Beat Scott Fobble, who was second American in New York. Leonard Career, US 10K champion on the track. That's pretty legit. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Steven like, Sambu, who was like Steven a two-time, two-time winner of that Aaron race, kind of owned mean, that race beforehand. There were some serious scalps to be taken there, and you win. What was in that your, experience in your, like? In your Michigan singlet, yeah. right? In yeah. your Michigan singlet, go blue. Yeah, go blue. <laughs> Love that. What was that like? That was crazy. Honestly, it was it was crazy. Um, really amazing experience. Falmouth, like, um, Bix was my first uh, exposure to like what the road race environment is like, and Falmouth was like, it was it was crazy. Like, there's people everywhere. Like, they take the race, like the local community just takes the race so seriously, and that was so cool to just be involved in. Um, so that part was awesome. The race itself, it was like. You know, a lot less, a, a lot less emotional side of the, that story I was telling you with Sully earlier about the, like, believing I could win. It was like, I was in bed at, like, 9 o'clock because you got to get up early for those road races. And Sully called me at, like, 9.05. And I was like, oh. I was, in the, I was like, <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry to wake you. I was like, no, 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 I'm good. Like, what's up? He's like, just want to let you know that, you know, think you're ready to go. I was like, yeah. Same. <laughs> I was like, I think I, I think I got a shot to like be in contention for the win. He's like, yeah, I do too. I was like, all right, sweet. Uh, check in tomorrow. See you later. <laughs> and then like, that was it, right? So it's like, same idea, but just like a little simpler. Yeah, way simpler. <laughs> like it wasn't like this big emotional thing. We're like, yeah, you know what? We've been here before. Like this isn't that different. Um, and that, like that was that was like this this race really epitomizes a lot of those philosophies we were talking earlier about like run in the mile you're in, don't anticipate the future, don't set these expectations, just like embrace what's going on in the moment. Cause it was like first mile was, we went through in like 431 and I was like, I've never done that before, but like that felt pretty good. Yeah, so I'm just going to roll fast, with it. That's fast, but that's fast, right? Go through 10K in 2850. Like that's my second fastest 10K ever. Like I've never run on a tough course. That's not an course, easy course. Right? So I was like, it was just kind of just accepting what was going on and with a mile to go, I was still in the mix. I was like, all right, just, you know, this is where it starts. And uh, Scott Fobble made a really aggressive move to the front. And from that point, it was just like responding. And then with 400 to go, same idea. It's like, well, here's where you give everything you got and see what happens. And um, when I got a gap, I, um, and uh, if you've seen that, that video, I was, yeah. I was clearly um, happy. A yeah, <laughs> a little happy. <laughs> I, was, I was really excited. So uh, I didn't really know what to do with my hands. And I was just like throwing. Well, up. I mean, the authentic reactions you have to races are endearing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, that, that was genuine. I didn't know. I yeah, just couldn't believe no, it. No, I mean, we. I believe it. I mean, that's, I think part of what our sport needs is people that are just willing to be authentic and whatever <laughs> comes out, comes out, whatever happens, happens, whatever jazz hands or whatever. Yeah. You know, you're yeah doing. I, I watched it after I was like, jump over the finish line. I was like, sure. Didn't, <laughs> yeah, why not? Didn't <laughs> cool. expect that. Yeah. I was like, at least my hops look way better than they really are. Like, <laughs> they had you at a good angle. Yeah, they did. Yeah, it was like the feet were <laughs> elevated enough that I actually looked like I had a decent vertical. <laughs> right. I didn't. <laughs> one thing I want to go back on, you know, so you have this amazing summer and, and we'll kind of book in this, you know, big win at NC's, big win at Falmouth, but you had an up and down collegiate career, mm -hmm. dealt with a sacrum stress fracture, sacral stress fracture, which is basically a bone in the pelvis for those that don't know. Yeah. I actually have an athlete I coached for the marathon. He was just diagnosed with one. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. So it happens, right? But you have up and you know, up and down collegiate career with injury. What kept you going and sort of on the path? You mentioned the foot injury that you had to deal with over the winter. How do you work through those things to then have the breakthroughs on the other side? Yeah. Um, you know, I would love to say that 
going into those injuries, it's like, oh, it's gonna, it'll be fine. Like, I'm gonna win NCAA's and win Falmouth. Like, I can get through some hard times. Like, no problem. But like, that's not, that's not what it's like at all. It wasn't right? guaranteed. Like, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna run fast again. Right? Like, so again, you know, setting those expectations is 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 tough to do it, though, especially when things are hard because it's like you don't know what's gonna happen. Right? So, um. There was a lot of things that kept me going, um, and we touched on them a lot in different questions. Like the positive um, support from family, friends, teammates was a huge part of it. You know, my career in Michigan, I was fortunate enough that I was like, you know, I was relied on to be a contributor. So it was important for me to do everything I could to contribute to the team, whether it be on the track or in cross country. So it was important that I was holding myself accountable that when I was hurt, I was, you know, making sure I could get do everything I, I could to get back. Um, I love the sport. Um, but yeah, like there was some times that were really hard, especially the sacral stress fracture. Like that's one that, you know, right off the bat docs, like, Hey, you're going to take 12 weeks off of running. And it's just like, I don't have 12 weeks. Like what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. That that's three months. Yeah. Three months. Right. (laughs) I was like, that's a tough one. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, and then I, you got to rebuild. I mean, and then you got to gradually rebuild so you don't re-injure yourself. Right. And and the scary thing about the NCAA in terms of like your mindset at the time, which I think is, you know, in hindsight I would change, but it's hard to it's hard when you're in it. It's like every missed time is like a missed season, right? Like you're told you have this amount of seasons, you can redshirt this amount, but it's like once you get past your redshirt, it's like, "Oh, I just lose lost another season. Oh, I lost another season." It kind of feels like you're like constantly battling time with the clock. So that was really hard, but um, you know, I I took cross training really, I took it very seriously, and um, I don't know if I would do the same things I did then now if like I was to find myself in in the same situation because I think at times I probably took cross training like even too seriously. Like I was working myself really hard to the point that I was like, it was really I was I was having a tough time. But um, I was gonna say like the best things I think I did were like taking small victories was a huge part of it. Like every day I was like, okay, like what, there's gotta be a victory out of this. Cause it's just like, if you focus on how much it sucks, it's like, it, it's really hard to make it sustainable. So, um, there was different ways we did that. My, my teammates, we like set up a group me chat where we like, you know, posted our accomplishments of the day and, um, you know, really tried to encourage each other no matter what. Cause it can kind of feel like you're lost or in the dark when you're cross training and like, your performance you're not aren't. with the team you're not with the team and you know that constant feedback's pretty tough so i tried to find parallels so it's like okay what i like about running i loved i loved seeing progress i loved seeing split times right aqua jogging i didn't get that so i was like well maybe i'll start swimming because then i can clock myself in a 100 meter time trial and see if i'm making progress and uh another way i did that is i started playing guitar and i was like well i'll get progress this way so it was like <laughs> trying to like find parallels like what I liked about the sport how can I get these how can I fulfill these in other aspects of my life um and then you just about taking it like getting back right as opposed to getting back fast and you know accepting that like it's a process it takes a long time to get fit and honestly right now you know after taking some time off after my summer that's something I'm I'm having to remind myself again is it's like it takes time to get into peak shape so uh yeah, I think, you know, those injuries are definitely some of the harder points in my career, but I think it's probably where I've learned some of the most valuable lessons and probably changed a lot about my training philosophies, my my behaviors, because um, there's probably a lot of times previous to those situations where I had a tendency to overdo things. And I think 
I've addressed that um, now and is one of the reasons why. Take your lessons, right? Yes, exactly. Plus you come back stronger. I mean, a pelvic stress fracture, you've got to work on core. You've got to basically prevent it from happening again. So you've got to become a stronger, better athlete, right? And all of that progress comes with it too. So I want to contrast that with a recent, what I'm going to call failure in air quotes, which is you got ninth at Canadian Cross. You came into that race as a favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would assume that you're thinking, I can win this thing on the starting line there. You show up, you're not really in it. Yeah. I mean, at 5K, you were back, and then from there, just kind of got worse. And so I can't imagine that's a result you wanted. So you had a bit of, again, air quotes, failure. You know, ninth in the national title right. uh, meet isn't, isn't bad by any stretch, but I'm sure it didn't meet you your standards. You would have taken it the year before. Pardon me? You would have taken that result the year before. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. But, but, no, but expectations are different. Yeah. So how do you deal with that, air quotes, failure? Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to be honest. Like, it was disappointing for sure. And it's like, um, you know, like, the summer I had, it was just like everything. It was either fantastic or even better. Like, it was like, <laughs> it was just coming out of every, my parents like, man, this is awesome to hang out with you after these races because you're loving it. Like, no matter what, right? <laughs> Parents of kids, you know, you know, a disappointing race. Sometimes they're not the most. Sure. You got to give them time and space. Sometimes it's yep. it's tough with the rally, but um, you know, I'm really trying to. I I've broken it down. I've reflected on it, and I've definitely got some lessons. And I think you know, it kind of touches back in on you know, I believed I could win, and I don't think that's that's necessarily wrong because I I do think you know, in in context, I could have won, right? But I think acknowledging you know where I was really at the time would have probably been of my best interest to like really get the most of my performance like I don't think you know Luke Brichette's crazy fit right now like they're like Mike Tate all those guys Ehab like they're Evan Esseling those guys are all great runners and like the honest truth is I needed to be in better shape to compete with those guys or um you know I think if I raced smarter I think I could have been closer I still don't think that would have been enough to win um but I think it's it's giving me a lot of insight into like okay like, where did those original, like, you know, like, capital B belief that we were talking about early mm-hmm. come from? Like, it's a mix of that constant, you know, I'm competitive and I believe I can do these things. But it's also, like, finding some evidence along the way. And, you know, workouts were good and they were good relative to the last and in this buildup, like, ultimately for world championships in September. Um, but, you know, the professional scene is new for me. And um, lining up at Canadian Cross is something I really wanted to do. But I think it was a lot to ask of myself to be like, okay, you know what? I just took this break. We've got, you know, six weeks ish of training under my belt, but I want to come in and like win this thing. It's just like, I think that was a little bit, I, and maybe if training was different and, and maybe we approached it differently and we put it all in for Canadian cross, it would have been differently. But I think it's just accepting that it's like, Hey, you know what? There's going to be times where you're on and you're peaked. And the goal is to make those the meets that you're prioritized the most. And there's other races where you're not going to be a hundred percent percent, but you have to manage it. Right. And like, the thing I'm disappointed about it now is I don't think I needed to be ninth. I think I could have ran smarter. I think I could have approached the race differently. And I think I could have, you know, prioritized making the world cross country team, for example. Um, and I think that would have taken a different mindset approaching it. So what I would have changed, I wouldn't have changed my training leading up. I wouldn't have changed the idea that like, oh, I, be- I believe I could win this in, in a in certain context, but I would have changed like, okay, here's where I'm at right now. Um, you know, Going out with the leaders, you know, you know, Luke Brichette's going to take from the front. That's probably not the smartest move. Let's, let's reel it back. Let's stay in fifth. Let's run smart. 
let's make fourth place the new win because that's what's going to get you on the like cross country team and you know check the ego at the door you know basically is like what i would have changed if i would do it all again um but you know that being said i do want to acknowledge that it's like a huge privilege to just run in canada at any time it's my first time being at the canadian cross country championships in years and people were super supportive before and after which was cool considering um you know, I, I do think the, the, the result was disappointing overall, but there's also a lesson here, which is that fitness is not linear, right? You know, everybody <laughs> wants it to be, you yeah. have a breakthrough, you get a PR, you run a great race and you think, Oh, it's only up from here, but you got to come off that peak. You got to reset, rebuild, and then build ultimately to a higher peak. And you're in that process, right? Right. And I think it's given me a huge appreciation for other professional athletes, right? Cause you know, I spent my entire, like you said, I told you earlier, I'm a big track nerd. I look at the results and I just take athletes by their name, right? Like I take the athlete, their best accolade, and that's my expectation any day of the 365 of the year, right? And, and <laughs> now I understand that it's like, there's so much more context than that, right? And I think, you know, some of the big people, like big names I beat in Falmouth and in other races, you know, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for those experiences, but it's good to acknowledge that like, you know, on the professional scenes, people's timelines just are yeah. so different. The right? guy you outkicked at Falmouth was preparing for a marathon that was going to happen on November 4th. Exactly. So right. he's not, it's not apples to apples. You guys were in different spots. I guarantee you Scott Fauble came off that finish line and said, whippersnapper got me. Oh, well, he just came off one of the NCAA championships in the 10K. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. He wasn't happy about it, yeah. but he was able to do what you did and say, okay, Maybe I could have done something a little differently, but maybe I couldn't have either. Right. Um, but speaking about training, so you you finish that. You, okay, your summer. You win the NCAA championships. Mm -hmm. You win Falmouth. You get second at Bix, which is huge. Yeah. You break four for the mile, mm -hmm. sub four for the mile. By the way, he's a 10K guy, folks, right? Yeah. So also huge. That's huge. Nice. And I know it was something that you were really excited about. I mean, I think that your PR before that was like 408 or 407 or something. Yeah, 407. Yeah. So then, and you won the, the Canadian road championships in the 5K. So it was just like, like, bang, bang, bang. And then most importantly, or most importantly to the folks that brought you to Austin, Texas, is you got a, you got a professional deal. Yeah. So you signed with Reebok that just started a new club with a new coach with Justin Knight and Coach Chris Fox. Um, talk a little bit about the decision to make that, to, to do that. And then that, that's the first thing. I want to talk about that. And then also, who was coaching you in this buildup? Did you switch coaches? Because if you switch coaches, and you, I believe you were, co you were training away from your new team, there's a lot of reasons that you could look at and say maybe a poor performance at a race is a coach transition, also a transition of doing your own training and not running with a team every single day and doing your own thing. So talk a little bit first about the exciting decision to, be a rep to represent Reebok and this new team and what this new team is and what it's about, and also how that might have played into this quote-unquote as we're giving air quotes around your disappointing race yeah right? <laughs> yeah totally um yeah so uh the whole summer um you know we, we're talking about the fun stuff the well this is also the other side that i'm about to bring up is also fun but you know we're talking about the races the performances like the whole summer was also like what are we doing like what am i going to do next like i need uh i, I need to figure out you know if i want to do this post collegiately like i need to make sure I, I i find a situation that i can do it with right so um the whole summer was figuring that along the way and you know halfway through and I actually want to bring up one point before that is is because I was so new to it all um you know with the context of you know the before NCAAs and afterwards like right off the bat I was like okay I'm not going to pretend this is something I totally understand I know everything about like any opportunity that comes my way I want to take seriously I want to learn all about it and I don't want to make a decision on anything until I've gotten 
all information possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad I made that decision because Reebok wasn't a thing yet. Like right. the, the group, like like Reebok, the brand obviously right. wasn't, but, <laughs> but the Reebok Boston Track Club, it didn't exist. There was no, um, Zap Fitness was, um, it, and it still currently is a group, but yep. um, it wasn't someone I was in contact with. So here comes um, late July, it might've been, um, you know, the announcement of Justin Knight, Coach Fox and the Reebok Boston Track Club. And like the moment that happened, it was like, Whoa! Like, did you know Coach Fox, or had you? Did you know him before? Did you look at sta- at Syracuse as a place for you to go run? I didn't. I yeah. wish I did. Actually, right. like I'm, very, I love the University of Michigan. Um, yeah. but uh, it would have been a great visit to check out the campus sure. and mm-hmm. meet Coach Fox. And um, you know, I've had an incredible amount of admiration for their program and Coach Fox. What he's done there has been incredible. And um, you know, I just hear a lot about Coach Fox by being involved in NCAA and. Um, he's a guy that just everyone has fantastic things to say about he's him. He's a character. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I see this this group pop up and was like, wow, this is something I need to to learn more about. And I got in contact with the appropriate contacts and um, we started talking. And, you know, the, the first conversation I had with Coach Smith, um, Coach Adam Smith, who was also at Syracuse, mm-hmm. um, and Coach Fox, like it was just a perfect fit, you know, they're the, the philosophies they're speaking about before they even really knew a lot about me and like they knew my performances, but they didn't know, you know, what made me tick and things like that. And everything they were saying about like what, and that's something I appreciate in itself. Like the fact that they were just so transparent about the way they do things, like they were looking for a good fit. They weren't mm-hmm. looking for necessarily just like, yeah, if he's got these times, like quantitative values, take, bring them. Like they are looking for guys that fit what they're trying to do. They get culture. They wouldn't have taken Syracuse from nowhere to somewhere if you don't understand culture. And we are seeing now the post-collegiate groups that are succeeding are the ones that have culture. Exactly. And it's it's a really wise decision because there's a, there's a background between Coach Fox and Justin Knight. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get great culture there no matter what. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that was something I really appreciated is just um, how upfront they were about this is the way we do things and we want we don't. We want it to be a good fit. Was the most important thing, right? And they were hoping that that was the case, but they don't know a lot about me, right? And I started telling about me, and it's like, okay, this is something that's gonna, like, sounds like it's gonna click fantastic. So it just got more and more exciting, you know. And I finally got to test out the like Reebok Run Fast Pros uh, at Falmouth. Um, uh-huh. I tried them for the first time the day before the race, wow. which I would nice. never do. Like that doesn't happen. I like I'm yeah. crazy. <laughs> feet. I've got like three foot injuries the yep. previous year. And I get them, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll guess I'll do strides just to try them. And I was like, damn. I'm wearing these things damn. tomorrow. Yeah, I was like, damn. Like, I'm, I'm definitely trying this And now. they got you the win. And they got me the win. So and, and, they got it on, and they got it on camera, too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, everything's great, but these shoes are super dope. That's why I'm joining the group. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> like, so it was just like everything was, was great. Like, every, like the Reebok, like Reebok being the brand, um, Coach Fox being the coach, the group of athletes they're bringing, it was just like, it went from being like, oh, you know, post-collegiate running is awesome. The opportunity is this, is to like, this is actually the best case scenario. Um, so, and, and I want to, like, I also need to admit that it was like, it's hard leaving Ann Arbor, um, transitioning from Coach Sullivan. He's someone who we've figured out what works. And um, he's someone who, you know, I've personally connected with for a long time. Um, and, and just the current climate of professional collegiate running you know, staying in Ann Arbor really wasn't um, really an option. Like there, there wasn't really any opportunity to for that to even be the case. Um, but it would have been nice to be able to explore that as an option. But um, so we're, it, everything pointed towards this Reebok opportunity, 
Um, and fortunately, we were able to, you know, get the announcement and the commitment made before I got to run um, uh, the mile on Rhode Island and my first race in a Reebok uniform and first time in the spikes, first time racing the spikes, the train in them as well. Um, I was able to break four. So that was like a really special introduction to the group. Um, and then to tie this all together with the question you asked, um, uh, I was still in school and I'm mm -hmm. still in school. Um, so I'm, I am in Ann Arbor, Michigan, mm -hmm. finishing my graduate program. Um, just about done. Oh my gosh, I'm ready to be done with school. What's your, what's your graduate program in? I'm um, in the school of social work there. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm technically part of like a dual master's degree, um, that I committed to prior to figuring out the, all the post-collegiate stuff. So I'm going to come away with the master's in social work and the other degree something I'm going to be continuing to either work on or figure out um, once, we, once we transition to Charlottesville. But uh, I transitioned coaches. It seemed like that was the, the, the best move in terms of um, getting used to what, what, how we do things throughout my time in Ann Arbor. And then when I move in January, um, you know, being used to at least one component, right? It's just one less thing we have to get used to in terms of the adjustment. Well, and you don't have time. I right. mean, you're, you're looking at September and you're looking at transitioning to a new coach and trying to have a big result in September at a world championships. You've got to get that system under your belt. That's how right. these things work. It's a very wise decision. Even if it doesn't play out early on, it's definitely the move you have to make. And Coach Fox has worked with a lot of people for a long time and he's going to be able to make adjustments to you. And you're now learning his system in a different place, which means you're going to have a great appreciation for what it is when you get there and have a lot more knowledge. So yeah. I do think it probably played into some of the effect that you had on your race day, you know, at, at, at Cross. And it's something you should probably also take into consideration, mm -hmm. that being there. And I imagine that Coach Fox and Coach Shelley have a little bit of a different training philosophy, too, um, based on what I know about both of them. Not diametrically opposed. I mean, Michigan's Michigan, right? It's yeah. always volume-based. But, but he's a mile coach. I mean, he's a miler, and he thinks in that mindset. It's a different way, of, whereas Coach Fox is definitely, he's, he, works at all, he works on all those angles at all the time. So you probably had a little bit of transition there, too. So yeah. talk a little bit about what the training is different, if there is a lot of training difference, or if there's not. It is base phase, so it's really not probably that much different. What differences are you seeing between your experience working, working in a collegiate system and working in a post-collegiate system where you're kind of on your own? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And uh, yeah, and that was uh, like being in Ann Arbor and doing a lot of the workouts on my own is something that, you know, I, I was able to do and um, it's definitely not ideal, right? So I, I'm like, the, the transition's gonna be really, really exciting. And uh, the, group of, the group of athletes that we have as part of the team are all just very young, ambitious, and talented. So who do you I, have besides Justin Knight there? So we got Justin Knight, uh, Colin Benny, and Philo Germano are both uh, Syracuse athletes as well, former Syracuse athletes with Coach Fox. Um, Robert Demanic is a 354 well, miler Miss, from Texas Ole Miss. guy. He's, yeah, he's, he's from Texas. Texas. He's a Texas kid. Yeah, yep. that's right. Um, and then Kamoy Campbell um, from who, Arkansas. Who from ran in Arkansas. Arkansas? He's Jamaican. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Jamaican Olympian. Um, and then there's a couple other guys, Adam Vizike and Chase Weaverling, who are um, like. Uh, they're involved with the group as well. Um, Chase ran at the University of Virginia, so he's been a big part of, uh, you know, getting on the lay of the land as well. And Adam Vizike ran at Virginia and Syracuse, so he's a good connector, uh, a good connector as well. So, and then on the women's side, we got Amy, Amy Eloise, uh, Neil, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, Tori Gerlach, who are both um, exceptional athletes and, and wonderful people. So, um, but you know, just by by that list of athletes, you can see it's a young group, and they're all this is all new to all of us and we're all just very excited about everything, which has been a really cool environment to be around. Um, in terms of the transition for the training, um, 
you know, it hasn't been that long of a training block. So, you know, Canadian 5K road champs for September 12th, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a few days before that. Um, so, you know, you take your two weeks off and then you run a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And yeah, so you're really only less than two months into a block. Yeah, about that. So yeah. first workout was probably, you know, early to mid-October. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we're just going from there. So a lot of the stuff has been base work, which is something I'm used to. So there hasn't been anything radically different by any means. Um, the stuff that's been really nice, um, kind of just like a, a smooth transition is like building mileage has been slow and um, like we've approached it very much like feeling base, right? Like we're not, we're not boosting mileage just to boost mileage. It's like, oh, when the body feels good, then we'll move up again and slowly. So that's been really nice. Um, so th we've been taking things slow, um, which I think, I don't know if that's necessarily related to the coaching change itself, but I think the, the system change, you know, it's not like we have the urgency of cross country, the opener, the big tens, the national meet, then the urgency of indoor. It's just, we, we've got time to work with now. Um, so yeah, I would say, uh, we're just making sure to take things slow, um, which I really appreciate because I think that's what um keeps me healthy and i think what keep keeping me healthy is is the main um factor in terms of just like getting awards healthy training consistent guys. that's what builds champions kipchoge's been in the same system for 20 years exactly as we talked about and i felt healthy and great so it's been it's been working well so we've got maybe time for one or two more we've got we're maybe five minutes to go here but a question i have transitioning from collegiate ranks to professional ranks is a big shift right you go from having a team that's there with you practice this whole support system and obviously you have a team now but it's different mm -hmm. and what i observe just as a fan of the sport is it seems like those who have success at the next level aren't aren't necessarily the ones that had success in college they're the ones that find a good support system post-collegially they're also the ones that as we talk about sort of know their reasons for running beyond just competing for a team or being good at it and getting results, right? They're able to, as we say, know their why. Yeah. You know, why are you doing this beyond just, I've been good at it all my life. People told me to do it, so I kept doing it, right? And so as you think about that and trying to create a career where you might be doing this for 10, 15 years, hopefully competing internationally for a long time, why? What is it about this sport that makes you want to stay in it for a long time? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've got a totally unique um, reason behind it. I think, if anything, mine's probably the same reason a lot of runners love it and get involved is I just, I love the process. I love seeing what you can do and what you can accomplish and how much better you can get by having control over um, the way you do things, the, the training, um, the development, just the process itself is something I love. The day-to-day -day, um, build up towards like trying to accomplish something great is something that I really, really enjoy. And I think the positive feedback of, you know, when it works out especially is something that's like really um, addicting, <laughs> honestly. But uh, beyond that, like more recently, um, just with the way the NCAA played out and um, the coverage of it all, it's... Um, it's been really cool to feel like I've had a little bit more of a voice or like a platform to speak to others about or um, especially like younger runners. And um, 
that's something that I, I've taken pretty seriously. I've taken very seriously. Um, and, you know, that's not necessarily related to, not necessarily or directly related to my performances itself, but it's, I, I really like that, that side of it. I you like have being a involved. platform now. Yeah, and I like being involved in, in everything I can be involved in and communicating with others, especially younger athletes if I have any questions or concerns. And I like being able to relate to people because I feel like, sometimes you know athletes you know at the younger age if they haven't accomplished what they want and they look up to those who who have it can feel a little bit unrelatable and i i think it's been what i've tried to do at least recently is really try to like emphasize it's like like my story is really no different than anybody else's um so you know if you want to accomplish things that i have or even better like you can do it you know it's 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 not like there's nothing that makes me super different than anybody else i think is the point i'm trying to make the other part of that, too, is it's not just younger athletes. I mean, our audience is mostly adult half marathoners, sure. marathoners, right? They're going to, even though you might be competing in slightly different events, can can relate to the story that we were talking about. They can relate to that moment of the uncertainty on the start line, just <laughs> yeah. like you had in NCs, right? So, yeah. <clears throat> so I would just encourage you to think about that voice and message broadly. Sure. Thank because you. I and it, because it's so important, I mean, we're passionate fans and we're trying to build fans. And there's so much cannot, continuity between us all trying to move space and, through space in whatever format we're doing it. The more we can share those stories from people like you who understand that the connection is there, the more our sport grows, which ultimately benefits you, benefits your sponsor, <laughs> yeah. gives you opportunities and a bigger voice and a bigger platform, right? Yeah. So, anyway, that's my small bit of advice and you're you're about to have a whole bunch of fans sweet that makes me happy yeah. to hear i uh yeah and i mean honestly i think you that last comment you really made is is like we're all in it together right it's like we all know what it's like we're all running in circles it's hard sport you know it's it's i'm not gonna pretend that i have an easier time with it than anybody else does but um i i i don't know i i think more than anything it's i think it's a very relatable sport and i i like uh you know, I like if people can see that from the way I, I demonstrate my experience or, or whatever, in whatever way I can hopefully positively influence others. I'm, I'm, that's a privilege, really, and, and an honor to be in that position, if that's the case. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. And these kinds of conversations make me feel so good about the future of our sport because people like you, it's in good hands with people like you as athletes and voices in it. If people want to follow you, what do they need to do? Sweet. Good on question. On Twitter, what do we got? We on Twitter, where are we at? Insta? Yeah, I'm a, I got a little bit of everything. I'm, Snapchat? Yeah, where are we at? Snapchat, a little bit of everything. I'm, a, I'm definitely a big Instagram guy. Um, so I, uh, I'm very active. I'm active on social media in general. Um, what are your handles? My handles are at uh, Ben underscore Flanagan. Um, all A's in Flanagan. That's typically the mix up there. And then uh, mm -hmm. on Twitter, it'd be at Benny Flanagan um with two n's in benny but uh and a y and a y yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good question we awesome. got call him yeah. benny that's an ie <laughs> right but uh yeah no i'm super active on social media and I, I really like uh you know interacting with people on social media so you know if anybody listening ever wants to just have a conversation asking questions or things like that i i i take uh i take those those platforms very serious in terms of their ability to you know, connect and interact with other people. So and where's your next race if they want to check that out? I am flying to Hawaii. Um, uh, today's Wednesday, right? Um, a week tomorrow. Um, I'll be flying out to Hawaii to run uh, the Honolulu Road Mile. 
So, um, speaking of that King Chez comment I made earlier, like, <laughs> is he coming? <laughs> you'll be there. Oh yeah. no! So I know if the conversation I was talking about earlier in terms of he being a guy that I'm gonna be racing, I, I <laughs> wish it was in a different time of the year. To be totally honest, <laughs> but, maybe uh, a different distance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it'll be fun. It's getting real. I am really excited to actually get to meet him as a person, considering I heard such um, great things, and then. Uh, I think Craig Angles, Nick Willis will also be there, among some others. So awesome. And on the female side, there's some great athletes as well. Willis, so. another Michigan alum. Yep. Well, thank you, Ben, for, for joining us. Thank you to Reebok for bringing you to us. This has been a really, really awesome conversation, and so thank you for that. Thanks to everybody for listening as well. This has been episode 102 of the Running Rogue podcast. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or the Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we will talk to you soon.